Today on episode number 623, you might be one of those persons that's like, mm, I'm going to launch my podcast as soon as I get it. It's just not quite. Mm. Yeah. Well, remember, perfect is the enemy of good. And today I've got an interview with somebody who had thousands, thousands of listeners per episode, and they tweaked their format in a way that I was like, mm, I don't know if I would do that. We're going to find out what happened and we're going to give you the courage to tweak. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast consultant, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle that technology. I help you face your fears. We're going to talk about facing your fears today as well as flatten that learning curve and get you on the road. Not to just podcasting, because look, you can go watch a bunch of old outdated YouTube. You know, that's great. Have fun with that when you crash into the wall. Or you can come to the School of Podcasting and find out how to podcast the right way. Headache-free, stress-free. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up on either a monthly or yearly package. Or keep in mind, you can also buy the courses a la carte. And one of the things you get when you sign up at the School of Podcasting is I do live group coaching twice a month. And I was hanging out with Brenda from mytechtoolbelt.com. And if you listen to last week's show about the power of why, you heard Brenda talk about why she's into podcasting. And we had a little teaser because she had a because of my podcast story. Now, if you have one of these, it's super simple. It's just because of my podcast blank. And you know what's interesting about this? I just got another one today and they all start off like this. You know, when I started my podcast, I never thought I was going to be sending in one of these stories, but here I am. So if that's you, send it on in, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. And I prefer these in an audio format. Call me weird. I'm a podcaster. I like to hear these stories as opposed to reading them. But I was on this group coaching call with Brenda and she dropped this little one. So you'll hear her talk about at the very beginning of this clip what it's like to start her podcast. And then she'll go right into her because of my podcast story. It's a lot, but it's fun. It's exciting. And and I've already gotten two press passes. Nice. <laughs> right? You got to send so, that in because of my podcast. <laughs> I got two press passes. So now in a couple of weeks, we're going to uh, this conference in Chicago called the ISTE conference. And it's like one of the largest education technology conferences yeah. in the world. And so they, they, you know, they said, you know, media credentials, you know, if you have a readership of over 500,000, you know, apply here. I'm like, well, I'm out. Right. And then it says, if we award about approximately 10 media credentials to edu bloggers, like, well, I'm not a blogger, but I'll try. And sure enough, I got in. So I'm very excited. Nice. You know, because really that saved me like $650. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Yeah, there's more than what <laughs> that, that'll, when people go, I had to pay, you know, $20 a month from hosting. Yeah, but you just saved yourself 650 bucks. Yeah. And again, thank you, Brenda, for letting me share that. Find her at mytechtoolbelt.com. And speaking of getting your voice right here on the podcast, next week we have the episode where I use your input. And this week's or this month's question is about show notes. And I want to put on our our listener hat, not the podcaster hat, the listener hat. 
So number one, do you go to the show notes in an app on a website? Do you even look at show notes? That's part one. And if the answer to that is yes, then there's a part two. And that is, what do you look for when you look at show notes? Because I know we all kind of stress out about them, what to do, how much do we need, things like that. And so I'm just trying to figure out, is anybody even looking at them? So again, the question is, do you look at show notes? Part two, if you said yes, then what are you looking for? What do you consider good show notes? Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. If you want to record something and email it in, that's fine. The email is dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. Just please put June question in the subject line. And my buddy Todd from Trucker Dump, uh, we'll be going to hear his May answer. This is where we're talking about, are you going to start a new podcast? And I got to tell you, you might want to check your spam filter in Gmail because mine... I didn't touch a thing is marking all sorts of things as spam that I never said that. So I apologize to Todd. You ended up in spam, but uh, we were talking about, are you going to start a new podcast last month? And I want to make sure that Todd got his. uh Hey there, Dave. Todd McCann here from the Trucker Dump podcast hosted at abouttruckdriving.com. So am I starting a new podcast this year? Well, yeah, hopefully. I've been wanting to start this podcast for a couple of years now, and I just keep dragging my feet. And I'm hoping by answering this question on your podcast, it will have some accountability for me, and I'll get it done this year. This podcast is designed to help truckers find good trucking jobs, and I don't want to say anything more than that for fear somebody steals my great idea. As for obtaining advertisers, well, I was probably about five years in before I got my first advertiser. I had been approached before by some companies who were selling pork rinds and energy drinks and really unhealthy junk like that. And I, you know, there was money in it, but I just didn't feel right promoting it to a bunch of truckers who, quite frankly, already have a weight problem. So I feel pretty good about passing up on that decision. Anyway, my first sponsor came about because there was a guy who listened to my show. He was not a trucker. He worked for an insurance company, and that insurance company happened to sell truck insurance. He suggested it to his boss. His boss thought it was a good idea, and they signed up for three episodes. So, hey, I guess you could say this is a because of my podcast story. I got my first sponsor. They have since dropped, but not before I already got two more sponsors on board. Both of those, I have no clue, honestly, how they found me. I probably should research that and ask them how they found me. It might be helpful in the future. How stupid of me. But anyway, both of these companies contacted me through email out of the blue. I did not solicit it. And for anybody who thinks that you have to have thousands and thousands or even ten thousands of downloads to get sponsors, that's just wrong. As long as you're in a niche enough field, you can get sponsors. I'm a little surprised at this, honestly. I didn't think I'd ever have sponsors for the show because I only get six to 800 downloads per episode. I compare that to other podcasts I listen to, and then I think that's horrible. And then I remember what Dave says that, hey, how would I feel if I had six or 800 people in a room listening to what I had to say? And I would love that. So think about it that way. Anyway, I'm not going to be retiring on this money anytime soon. Not going to be quitting my trucking job, but... Anyway, I just thought I would share my story. Oh, and I'd like to add that if I could not get anything more than the standard CPM rates, I wouldn't take any advertisers at all. I'm pulling in three to four times that amount. Niche audience. Keep up the great work, Dave. And like I like to tell everybody, drive safe and stay out of my way. 
Thank you, Todd. And again, my apologies for uh, somehow having that go into spam. And uh, I am going to be talking a little more about monetization in the future. And I just want to say this up front. You do not have to make money with your podcast. I'm just in the process of rewriting my book, More Podcast Money. So I'm kind of up to my neck in monetization talk. And I know, I think it was last week I said I was going to do a review of the Thrive Themes. This is a cool theme that's all about email conversion and things like that. I think I'm going to do that next week. So just keep in mind as you hear a little more money talk on this show in the future, you do not have to make any money with your podcast if you don't want to. I was out riding my bike this weekend. I've never made a dime from my 10 speed or 12 speed or whatever speed it is. And I've put plenty of money in helmets and gloves and padding for my butt and more padding for my butt and a different seat and cup guards and everything. I haven't made a dime for my bike. So you do not have to make money with your podcast. It's just right now I'm rewriting the book. And so that some of that speak is going to be coming up in the future. I want to talk today. I watched a couple or caught a couple things on Netflix. And what I hear from time to time is someone who's trying to launch a podcast, but they need it to be perfect. Like absolutely perfect. I got to get it right out of the gate. And I'm here to tell you, I can't think of anything, cars, vacuum cleaners. I don't know anything that I'm sure the Beatles, the first time they practiced in the basement, you know, Michael Jordan got kicked off his high school basketball team. We're not perfect right out of the gate. And so I've said this before, and I will say it again. And that is your podcast is not a statue. It is a recipe. And in fact, what's going to change your podcast, whether you want it to or not, is the fact that you're going to change. In fact, the only thing that stays the same is the fact that things change. And so we're going to kind of talk about that today. And I've got an interview where the person had thousands of listeners And they messed with the format and you might be going, what? Wait, hold on. You got a good thing going on. Don't just hang tight with that. But I was watching, there is a show on Netflix called my next guest needs no introduction. It's David Letterman who hopefully, you know who David Letterman is. He's a famous comedian was on late night TV here for like 30 years. And one of the things that really stood out was number one, David Letterman is probably the king of the imposter syndrome. In fact, he's being interviewed by Jerry Seinfeld and Seinfeld is just spewing compliments on him to the point where Letterman is like, yeah, and actually like physically makes him uncomfortable. But here's a clip of that. Yeah, no, well, you couldn't be more wrong there because you were the savior. You were the guy who smashed the glass and said, Uh, well, what if we just did this a whole different way that I think is funny uh, for no particular reason? But a lot of that was uh, enforced by The Tonight Show. They said, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. So so we looked around at what we were left with and thought, okay, well, we'll we'll pick up the pieces of what we can do and we'll try to make a show out of that. So there's the answer to my earlier question is what was the negative experience that ended up pushing you forward? Mm -hmm. So that's the answer to Mm -hmm. that. So that was a great thing. You would put a guy like Larry Bud Melman on, and you go, oh, no, we're going to do 300 of these. This guy's gold. (laughs) And Letterman was. Come on, who doesn't remember Mr. Larry's toast on a stick? 
And I remember once he had a suit of alcohol. I think it was a suit of seltzer. And David Letterman was lowered into this giant pool wearing Alka-Seltzers. He had the suit of Velcro where he ran and jumped and stuck himself to a wall. He was doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And you hear there where Johnny Carson, who was this late night guy before David Letterman, before Jay Leno, back in the day. And apparently, from what I understand, Johnny Carson was not a nice man, especially if you were married to him or if he was your father. But apparently he was a bit of a, a curmudgeon when it came to uh, following him or anything like that. He was like, nope, can't do that. Can't, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And so hence David Letterman had to pick up the crumbs. And I thought about that. We all kind of look at somebody who's doing something successful and that makes sense to try to emulate them. But sometimes I think there are times when we could go, yeah, but what's something that nobody else is doing? What is somebody, what is something that maybe we could do differently? I think we try to emulate maybe sometimes a little too much. And then I was listening to David Letterman interview Howard Stern. Now I was a huge Howard Stern fan growing up. And I know a lot of people have a hard, a big problem with him there. Trust me, there's more to him than fart jokes and, and weenie jokes and things like that. And it's interesting because over the years, Howard has changed. In fact, in that interview, he talks about how he actually apologized to some of the people that he was kind of mean to in his career. And he's now getting kind of criticism for being a little softer. And so here I thought this was a great insight. But, the, but Howard, the, 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 the change uh, has not hurt your listenership. People uh, still love you. Pe- uh, new listeners all along. Um, well, some people don't. When I, when, I, when I went through this on satellite, some people who were fans of mine a long time said, ah, you know, you're soft, you're yeah, this, you're sure. that. No, people do that. But here's, here's the thing, if I may say. I think the reason I was successful was that I was always honest with the audience. When I was saying that stuff about you, I was coming from an honest place. I was enraged and angry. And now that I was opening myself up to some new ideas, was I to maintain that for the sake of the jerk who's sitting there saying, well, you've changed, or am I going to take the audience in a new place? I I think bad radio is when you don't somehow change it up constantly. Well, you You got to change it. That's right. And you couldn't, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be expected, you wouldn't be successful if you were doing the same kind of radio that you did when you first came to New York, doing it now all the years later. It would look ridiculous. Yeah, it would feel uh, strange, like you're wearing somebody else's clothes or something, which I've, I've seen you do. So the takeaways there are number one, your audience will forgive you or you'll find a new audience. And Howard was saying, be honest with yourself, be honest with your audience and just realize things are going to change. And that's why I'm bringing on Cody Goff today. Here's somebody who had a, who has a very popular show and he did a major tweak to the format. And I would have gone, I'm not really sure if I would do that, but he did. And you'll hear that story. You'll also hear about how I've said this before, having big names on a show doesn't always mean big downloads. He's got a lot of great insights. Another person that is taking advantage of the Amazon flash briefing, and I may be talking about that in the future. That's where you have a really, really short show. You almost have to set up a separate podcast for that. We'll talk about that in the future. But here's my interview with Cody Goff. Uh, Cody Goff, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm so pumped to be talking to a guy that's being inducted into the Academy of Podcasters <laughs> Hall of Fame. Like that's so crazy to me. Yeah. I saw that. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to talk to this guy. Well, well, I'll have to come up with some some sort of virtual ring. You have to, you have to kiss my ring. 
Well, anyway, so tell us your, the, the website, the, the podcast you're working on is for a website. It's curiosity.com. So tell us a little bit about that and what kind of, I'm curious about curiosity.com. Yeah, sure. If anyone has ever listened, or I don't know, I guess read the skim, the email newsletter that kind of tells you about the news in a very millennial way, like, hey, here's the deal with what Trump said today, LOL. And it's just got really conversational headlines and writing. Curiosity.com is like that, but not with news. We we cover science stuff. We cover uh, cultural trends. We cover life hacks. We uh, cover psychology stuff that comes out, news in the psychology world, but in a way that's really accessible. So anything you're curious about, basically, you can go to our site and read something about like, hey, if I sleep with my dog, is that going to... Is that going to disturb my sleep? Well, maybe. Uh, no, we're going to write about that. And uh, by the way, no, it, it doesn't. You can get a good night's sleep by sleeping with your dog. Um, so oddities from all over the place, but also kind of how your mind operates and why you do the things that you do is actually some of my favorite content. Well, so that's curiosity.com. Very cool. Now for somebody who goes, well, I want to get hired to do a podcast for somebody else. How did that happen? This is, it was the craziest story. I was doing social media management for a global marketing, a management consulting firm. I was the, the Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn manager for AT Kearney, this global corporation. And I got a LinkedIn message from the CEO of curiosity.com at the time. He said, Hey, I see you've, you've also worked part time in radio for a number of years. I've, I've had a radio side gig for my whole adult life. And I see you've done some co- podcasting stuff. We've been approached about doing a podcast. Our listeners and our, our, our audience really seems to want to have a podcast for curiosity. Would you be interested in answering some questions for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's hop on the phone. And two weeks later, I got a job offer. He's like, I think we want to bring you on. I think we, you know, you're useful. You can write, you can write stuff. You've got a bunch of different skills. And you know, to start up, you have to be really agile. You have to be able to do 80,000 different things. And, and I've, I've worked at a startup before. So I've kind of got that Swiss army knife set of skills. And, Podcasting was the main one. He said, let's do this. So he hired me and I hit the ground running and we started doing this thing. Curiosity's got a big audience. We've got a few million Facebook fans, half a million Instagram followers, that kind of thing. Lots of millions of monthly active users on our website and on our app. So there was a big enough audience to where it kind of made sense, right? I mean, for a lot of podcasts to be profitable, you know, if you got 50,000 listeners, well, hey, you're going to make some money off of that. So um, it kind of made sense at the time. And that's, that's when they brought me in. Now, did you feel a lot of pressure with that? Because it's like, hey, we got a whole big audience ready for you. And you're like, oh, great. So it's kind of like, hey, just don't break it. Or I mean, were you freaking out or? It was my dream job because at the time, and this ended up not being true, but I had been led to believe that Midroll was going to offer to work with the Curiosity podcast before it had launched, which is insane because usually trying to get help from mid-roll and get ad dollars through mid-roll is really hard because you have to have a really big audience in place before they'll even consider working with you. Right. So that was the, that was the shiny carrot, uh, you know, that they put on the stick in front of me, that deal fell through. And so we ended up just launching completely independently. And at that point, that was when the pressure was on because then it was like, our our management at the time's reasoning was we think that we're actually going to do better than what midroll thinks and we want to have full rights to sell our advertising so i'm like all right well i really hope we get a big audience now because that's <laughs> a lot of pressure we started to kind of brainstorm what the format would would sound like you can't throw out a phrase like oh let's sound like radio lab 
because I'm sorry, <laughs> but so it's like Radio Lab. I'm like, do you know how much editing goes into post production in Radio Lab? Like with the sound effects and the music beds and the content and that. Like that's not possible with just me on a weekly basis. Unless that's maybe if it was a hundred percent of what I'm doing. But they wanted me to also do stuff on like their Twitter account and again startup life. Right. You're not. You're not a silo one man show for one thing. So so that that wasn't gonna be reasonable in in any way. Well it's always fun when that show's over and they go, you know, the music coordinator with so and so, the blah blah blah, and they list like eighteen people and it's like, holy cow, that's a reason why that show sounds so good. How long did you guys go weekly? Like how long did did, that schedule go? Yeah, we did weekly for about a year. Uh, It ended up being 40 total episodes if you include a couple weeks off around, a few weeks off around the holidays. And we ended up with 40 full length episodes. And it started out a good good click. I mean, from day one, we were in five digits with our our downloads, which is a lot of podcasters dreams, right? And it was was mine too. I mean, right there, I'm like, oh my God, like this is, I, I knew what I had. And I did what we could to grow it. We grew it and then it plateaued a bit. Then it grew and then it plateaued. Then it grew, then it plateaued. And then after the last plateau, we kind of looked at it and we said, all right, at this rate of somewhat steady, but a little shaky growth, but, but always on the upward, always on the uptrend. At this rate of growth, how long is it going to take it to make it a fully sustainable, self-profitable product? And it was going to be probably longer than our management really wanted. So we said, what if we did a podcast every day? Because our audience comes to curiosity, whether it's on our website or the app, to digest just one to five stories a day. We release five new stories every day and our audience is used to that. And they're all, you know, five, 600 words. They're pretty short and sweet. And you can skip whatever you're not interested in. So people's curiosity experience, you know, during their morning or afternoon or whenever they open it, maybe five, 10 minutes, and so we're releasing 40 minute long form interview podcasts. So why is, why are we doing that? Like that doesn't really fit in. So what if we do six to eight minutes, let's say a day and we cover a few of Curiosity's top stories. We do it kind of in a fun way. I do it with our managing editor, Ashley Hamer, who's phenomenal to work with and she's really great. And we just banter a little bit and, and give a few top stories. That's now a new way to consume the content. And uh, let's, let's pivot that way. And then we started doing that in April and now we're here. Did you communicate any of this to your audience or did you just like one day they just logged in? They're like, holy cow, I got another show already. I mean, did you give them any <laughs> kind of heads up? That. Okay. <laughs> no, we, we announced it a couple different times. We announced it on the last few of our weekly episodes. So I finished production on the weeklies and got them scheduled. And then it was late April. I think it was like April 23rd. We started doing dailies Monday through Friday, in addition to our Tuesday weekly episode which you might be thinking, wow, that's a heck of an RSS feed right there. I mean, suddenly I'm downloading a lot of content. And I I warned our listeners about that. I said, hey, listen, you're going to get a ton of our stuff on your feed and we want to get feedback from you. Now, in the what I found really interesting about this switch, uh, one of the zillions of things I found interesting about this switch is that we'd asked for listener feedback for what we were doing since day one, you know, yeah. always at telling listeners, hey, ask us questions, tell us what you think of the show, what do you want us to change, all these things. And very little feedback. We had a quiet, shy audience, I like to say. <laughs> as soon as I started announcing that daily thing, emails started pouring it. I mean, we're talking like 10 to 20 a week 
uh, versus like zero before. (laughs) And all positive. Not a single email said, we don't want you to do the weekly. Oh, we're going to... A couple said, you know, we'll miss the weekly thing. But every single person said, I'm really excited that you're doing a daily episode. And that, that just blew our minds. And in terms of listener retention, we've retained easily 80%, if not 90% of our audience in terms of total downloads from the weekly episodes to the daily episodes. It was shocking to me. And so, I, don't, I don't know what people would expect. Well, I would always, I guess, because obviously the, the monthly total is going to go through the roof because, well, you're doing <laughs> six times sure. more episodes. But did originally, did the episode downloads go up or down or did they kind of stay the same or... They went, they went down a bit, uh, but like I said, less, less than 10%. I mean, just right away. And right. the weeklies weren't really affected significantly. We were getting, let's say, let's say for a weekly, we were going between like 15 and 25K uh, mm-hmm. downloads per weekly episode. That went down very slightly to closer to like 15 to 20K. But the, the dailies just have been 10, 15,000 things since launch. Um, this is like over a four-week period. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables. First of all, yeah. the the long tail on the weekly episodes is so much longer. And a lot of people we would find would binge listen. Most of our episodes, even the first 20 or 30 episodes, we're still getting a few hundred to 500 downloads a week of our way older stuff. This is stuff we published like eight or nine months ago. So we've noticed, you know, that, and that's going to be significantly different with, with the dailies. That said, the other interesting thing with the dailies is we don't date them. And almost all of Curiosity's content is evergreen. We'll talk about a new study, but it's it's not like Trump was in the news this week and here's what he said, you know, or anything like that. It's, it's all very... I mean, you can go back and binge listen the last three weeks. And the idea is you learn something new in just a few minutes. So no matter what day we publish it, it'll be, it'll be new, fresh content. But... Uh, I don't know. I thought maybe people find it more difficult to binge listen to a daily show. It's hard to catch up with daily shows, you know? So there are just so many variables. But now that we're out of the weekly area, we're just daily, it's kind of, it's kind of even out. And yeah, we're seeing, uh, we're just seeing really, really solid retention, which just, again, shocked me because the, the way you consume it is so different than the way, you know, listening to a podcast a day is a lot different than listening to a podcast every week. Well, I think the people that do that, are going to be hardcore fans. And that's what I was going to say. You'll probably see a dip at the beginning. And then as they start to tell their friends and they start to tell, you'll see that come back up and you'll just change your audience. It's like, um, it's anything that changes a format when, uh, an old church, you know, they got a bunch of old people and they're like, we need to bring in young people. So they bring in the praise band and all the old people leave. And then the, the young people come in and go, Hey, this is a cool church. Come in here. So it's, it's, you're always going to have that dip and then eventually it'll hopefully keep going up. Are you still mm-hmm. doing other stuff with your daily show? I am still doing other Holy stuff cow. with the daily show. That's crazy. It's, it's a bit harder. Believe me, my workload is, has been pretty wild. I'm a writer for the site, so I, I've always written articles. I interviewed the author of Why You Eat What We Eat. It's, uh, she's a psychologist at Brown University, I think. And um, so I wrote an article that was tangentially related to that. And we would use that to kind of promote the podcast. Like, oh, cool. You liked reading this? Listen to more on our podcast with this person. That's changed a little bit. Now I'm just scripting the daily episodes and we're recording those, but I'm also just writing whatever I want on the side, basically. So whatever I find curious. I'm I'm now like more entrenched in the editorial team. In terms of promotion, we actually had a partnership with uh, Greta.com. Have you heard of them? I have not. How do you spell that? So G-R-E-T-T-A. All right. 
Yeah. Now, you know how Anchor FM these days, they have that service that they can turn a clip of your podcast into a watchable video? Yeah. Well, Greta was doing that long time ago. We, we were partnering with them since day one. I met the CEO of Greta uh, at Podcast Movement 2015 or 2016. And what they would do is they, you would get a full transcript of your show and they had the, the kind of video thing where, you know, you could still cut out a chunk of it, but it would follow the words in real time. Yeah. We would create those videos and push those out on social media. Now, I had a lot more time to do that because we were only doing one a week and we're no longer producing those videos. So now we've shifted to our email newsletter, uh, which we have a large email newsletter database. And we are also trying to promote and deliver on the Amazon Alexa flash briefing. Back in the day, we had some extra development uh, bandwidth and they developed this Amazon Alexa skill for curiosity. And you could, I've never actually even used it, like to be honest, but but it's still really popular and more than 5,000 sessions a week on this. Uh, and you could say like, hey, Alexa, tell, tell Alexa what you're curious about. And it'll say something like, do you want me to tell you about psychology or history? And you would, you would tell your little echo device and it would read you a story from curiosity that was related to whatever you said you're curious about. But the thing is that we saw with our total hours of listening and the total number of sessions and individual users, we're like, we're actually really pretty popular in this really quickly growing smart speaker market. So this is an untapped resource. What if we could deliver our podcast there and find a way to do that? Well, lo and behold, Amazon has the flash briefing skill, which is a 10 minute or less audio clips. Suddenly we're doing 10 minutes or less podcasts. You do the math. And now not only are we, uh, are we promoting more of both of our Alexa skills, the, the flash briefing and the skill, but we're also, again, delivering there. So now you can find us on the market, which very conveniently is not oversaturated yet, which <laughs> is... I mean, a problem in podcasting. There's yeah. like 80,000 podcasts, new podcasts a day launching. Amazon Alexa, look at the flash briefings. There's fewer than three or 4,000 last time I checked. That's a pretty big difference. So I want to ask you about this because I don't think they really, they have a, a set of requirements for a, you, you said the one, 10 minutes or less. But I also saw where they want the audio to be literally like 256 kilobits per second stereo, which is like, beyond overkill for the average podcaster. Do you know if you're following that? Because I think most people don't. We are following that. Oh, look at you guys. Okay. <laughs> Is that good? Like, I don't know. We're, it's, well, the, it's not a highly pro- produced show. It's basically the two of us talking with little intro and outro music. Yeah. Now, do you have a separate feed for the flash briefing that you do for your podcast? We've got it all on one feed. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. And I don't even really know because I don't, I guess we didn't really see much of a benefit in duplicating the feeds, at least based on their current strategy. Well, you just have to have it set up so that here's the problem is if I go, I'm listening to Curiosity and you're talking about sun poisoning and I'm like, I don't want to hear about this. So I go, uh, Alexa, skip. In theory, it should go from Curiosity to the daily show or whatever I have in my next daily briefing. And if you have multiple episodes, it's going to go to your next one. And I'm like, and now you're talking about French toast recipes. And I'm like, okay, Alexa skip. And then it goes on to, you know, the psychology of mustard. And I'm like, wait, no. Um, so that's the only problem about putting a podcast RSS feed as a daily briefing is you're kind of outside the box. 
it's the same core RSS feed, but we modified the URL so that it's only pulling one episode. So if you if you're listening on on Alexa and you say next, it will skip to whatever the next thing is, not another. Now I did not know that when I first submitted the skill. Yeah. So our first review was three stars, and it was a guy complaining for about exactly what you just said. A guy a guy saying. Oh man, you guys need to set it so it's only one episode at a time. And so I immediately fix it and reply to the review and I'm like, please update your review. Um, so there you go. Yeah. No, the skill can have as many episodes as you want. That's like, but it's, mm-hmm. it's the flash briefing thing. It's supposed to be one. It's supposed to be less than 10 minutes. Cause I see a lot of people want to make a flash briefing, which I understand why that is getting popular, but not if your show's 48 minutes long, that's going to be like, sorry, not going to work. And when we were doing the weekly and the days, and we launched the flash briefing. The way I just did it was we would release the weekly longer episode at midnight and then the flash briefing at 1 a.m. So unless you listen, if you listen to our flash briefing between midnight and 1 a.m., then yeah, you would hear our, our <laughs> hour long episode or whatever. But uh, I, I don't think that was a large amount of people. So we've got the RSS set correctly now for the flash briefing. How are your assets changing now that you've gone from from weekly to daily and things like that? Are you are you is the team changing at all to to help out or how's that working? The whole company is fewer than 10 people. Like we're a startup straight up. Yeah. Um, When I joined, it was, it was closer to 20. So uh, there was a, you know, a bit of downsizing because we just didn't need as many developers, as much technical uh, power behind everything. And now I'm one of the four people on the editorial team that are tasked with doing the social media and doing all the writing and all the editing. And, and I'm of course the lead on the podcast and everything. So that's, that's pretty much remained the same. But what, what we've tried to do is, get to know our audience really, really well and get to know what makes money really, really well. And people might be surprised what makes money really well. Despite our podcast growth, some of the podcast audience is international. And I don't know if you know this, but a lot of advertisers don't see dollar signs with an international audience. Yeah. We could have 8,000 people listen to an episode in India. That That's $0 for, for us. So it's a thing to be aware of. And it's weird, right? Because I feel so cool. Oh, I have listeners in the UK. I have listeners in Australia. Oh my God, we're like an international sensation. But you know what? At the end of the day, like that doesn't sustain a show. And I don't know how a podcaster can even design a program to like only appeal to American audiences. It's very strange. Yeah, I can see that. You're like, okay, we've got enough to go hunting for advertisers. And they go, yeah, how many of those are in the US? And you go, oh, uh, uh, 1,500. And they go, yeah, no, sorry. Nah. Yeah. So. It, it's very strange. Um, and I would say that the, the attitude towards the podcast has, has shifted. I think when I was originally brought on, it was intended to, to make money, as most things that companies are intended right. to do. I have tried to explain the benefits that, that, that I know you've talked about a million times in your podcast about uh, how it helps your marketing and how it helps your brand. I mean, podcast search engines are search engines. If someone is searching for something, they can find me. You know, people aren't just on Google and YouTube. They're also on Player FM and iTunes and Stitcher and and uh, Pocket Casts and all these other places looking for stuff to find. And the second you get a podcast, you're suddenly on 80,000 other search engines that people can find you, consume you in a different way, hopefully drive traffic back to your website. So I yeah. can't say how many people have found Curiosity.com through the Curiosity Podcast. Like, well... I don't know, make a lot of tracking links and uh, hope that people are clicking on those and not just remembering six hours later, ah, I should go to curiosity.com. And, you know, <laughs> it's a very different thing. So our, our manpower uh, in terms of kind of how we're allocating our time and resources is, is mostly doing the same, but 
it's just pivoting where we're putting the stuff. Um, you know, with the weeklies, putting a video on Facebook makes sense. People will share a video. People will do all these things. Uh, saying here's our daily episode. Listen, Facebook is only really going to show like four of your posts a day to people. So you need to make sure that, that you know, you have to be conservative about what you're sharing there. It's got to be the stuff that's really driving. So now we're going to put it in the email newsletter. Great. That makes sense. That's a good place to do it. So you just always have to look at your whole plate of where everything is and be willing to shift where you're putting what and not be afraid to totally fall flat on your face because that's what could happen, you know, with a daily podcast. Well, speaking of falling on your face, do you have any examples where you tried something and went, yeah, let's not do that anymore? So this is the most depressing thing I'm going to tell you, but I, well, depressing and awesome. I interviewed LeVar Burton on the podcast. So I don't know if, about you, but I grew up on Star Trek The Next Generation. I have the first edition Star Trek encyclopedia. Like, okay. I lost my mind when we lined this up. And might I add, you know how I lined this up? I emailed him and I asked him. I literally found him online. I knew he was doing LeVar Burton reads and I just shot him an email and I was just like, hey, I'm doing this podcast for curiosity.com. You're doing a podcast. I think it'd be a cool audience fit to promote you on our show. I'd love to have you on. I got an email from his wife who also does some managing for him a few like a month or two later. She's like, hey, he's not in production now. Let's get him in a couple months. I ended up lining it up. I think there's value in telling that story just because a lot of people assume, oh, I'll never get this person on my podcast. Right. Uh, never know if you don't ask. I didn't expect a response. Like, no way. Like, right. there's no way. I got him. I interviewed him. It was awesome. And our audience, uh, it was not one of our top downloaded episodes. And, and you're like, actually, what are you talking about, you crazy audience? Yes, I was. <laughs> and our audience tends to like science-y stuff a little more than culture and everything. But I mean, it's the first, he's reading Rainbow. Come on, <laughs> give me a break. Like, how could you not be so into this? And like, I, you know, his name is on the front of everything. He's in the title. Like, we're right. pushing it everywhere. It's like, come on, people, what is going on? He retweeted us. Like, so that happened. And here's how we adjusted. We just... Uh, you know, I looked at our audience and I just said, all right, we're just going to focus on academics and science focused people. And we're just going to go that way. So even, even when you get a big name, it's, it's just not always, it's not always going to click. Wow. Did, um, did you get any feedback from people or was it just the case that the downloads went or how did you know that it just didn't go over well? I mean, it really didn't go over well. We're talking like 70% of the previous weeks, I think. I mean, it, it, the dip was was measurable, very yeah. noticeable. <laughs> very, It was immediately noticeable. And uh, and it was a bummer because I had to pay for uh, studio time. Um, he was at a studio in Los Angeles and, and we connected and they asked for a little bit of money. So that was money that, you know, comes out of our pockets. Right. Uh, so, so there was a cost to us. It's not just like, oh, that interview didn't go really well. Like, no, it cost us money to pay this producer to get us the file and everything. So that, yeah, that was the biggest thing is, is you just, no matter how cool you think it is, your audience <laughs> might not if it's, if it's a really great fan. I mean, you could interview, I don't know, you could interview a lot of really famous, really high profile people. But if people don't think that they have anything to say about podcasting, then... Well, I always say it, it's not the the size of the guest that brings the value. It's the size of the value that makes the guest. 
So if I mm-hmm. if somebody's a complete unknown and they come in here and go, oh, here's how I tell you right now how you can get 5,000 more listeners. People are like, what? Who is it? I don't know. I've never heard of him, but I'm going to go try this. So that's <laughs> it's it's the value that brings the guest. That's what makes the guest. Not so much because I've had, you know, in some cases, some some quote big names and, and you know, it was cool to have them on and, and I now know them, but it wasn't like my numbers went through the roof. So, yeah, great story. As you're doing a daily show, what are you doing? What tips have you picked up to keep up with just the, the overall production? You know, any, any time saving tips that you can pass along? And I wish if you've got time to <laughs> tips, tell me, uh, you need to have more clean takes really uh, because of the editing involved. And like, that might sound kind of obvious, but it's not because when I was doing one a week, it's easy to comb through it, take a couple hours, take out the ums, take out the weird pauses. You know, you can restate things. But if I'm recording like five in a row and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm constantly saying a new study in 2012, <clears throat> a new study in 2012, uh, a study in 2012, you know, like that, like, <laughs> and there's a hiccup every two seconds in an eight minute thing. It doesn't work. So actually one thing that's been really helpful, and this is going to sound like not helpful, but it really has made a huge difference is what time of day you record. Mm. If I get in here before 2 or 3 p.m. with Ashley, we will blow through it. It's awesome. We're, we're fantastic. If we do it after 3 or 4 p.m., it's a nightmare. <laughs> there was one, I mean, there was one time where usually for like an eight minute episode, we'll get about 10 minutes. I'll get about 10 minutes of tape and then cut it down a little bit. For this one, we had like 17 minutes <laughs> for one. And, and I just looked at her and I was like, ow, I, it took me so long to edit. So figure out when you're going to be able to do it the cleanest. And at least for me, I had to script as much as possible. If we're covering a few stories, we tried it a few different ways. I, I mean, experimenting with how to do it is always really, really helpful. So first, I tried bullet points. Here's five bullet points from this article. Let's go through the bullet points and conversationally do it. No, no, no. That doesn't work like that. that it's, that's hard to do when you're talking about scientific studies. Right. Then Ashley tried just paraphrasing. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to try to explain this, uh, this article that I just wrote two days ago because we're authoring them, so we should know them. No kind of hard. So you just end up having a script and that's not, you know, if you're a, if you're a radio professional, you're not scripting a lot of the stuff that you do. Podcast professionals aren't scripting a lot of stuff that they do, but if you want to make it tight and you want to cut down on the editing, the more time you put into it ahead of time, the less time you're going to spend in the cutting room. And that has just been huge is, is the, you know, you can never over prepare. And then when you script it out, write what's in your head. Don't worry about grammar and punctuation. If you mm-hmm. write like you talk, it's a whole lot easier. That's my whole problem is I used to, I did a podcast for somebody and they handed me a script. Well, I didn't write it and I don't talk like they write. And that was a train wreck. The other thing, and I'm sure you know this with your radio background, if you do make a mistake, pause for what seems like an eternity, which is probably in reality about five seconds. It makes it so much easier to edit when you look at it and all of a sudden you just have these big chunks of, of audio missing. You're like, oh, there's a mistake. There's a mistake. There's a mistake. That'll speed things up a ton. How often do you take your temperature and go, yeah, this is working or this isn't working? Oh man. In the startup world, that is like the last thing that ever happens, right? Um, Hey, we just wrote 700 articles. Did anybody read them? Oh, wait, hang on a sec. Now we're we're not that like that, but, uh, but yeah, that is a luxury that it is, is, is tough. I look at the numbers every day just to make sure that we're doing okay. 
I think right now, what's really interesting about what we're doing is you, you listen to the flash briefings, right? Not yep. ours, but like, yeah, in general, right? You know that you should usually expect maybe two to four minutes, I think, is what I've been hearing on other flash briefings. I haven't listened to a zillion of them, but like, I mean, what would you describe as kind of the average? Yeah, I would say an average, they're around yeah, two to four minutes. Sure. So, and I've mentioned before, ours are six to eight minutes, usually around seven or eight minutes. Yeah. That's very different. But at the same time, we're it's a it's a weird time to be on the Alexa flash briefing because it's so new. And Amazon has pretty much told you, here's what to expect. And there is a standard that has emerged thus far. So then here, here comes us, and there's me and Ashley. And we're not just reading stories. We're bantering. We're making stupid jokes. I'm making Lord of the Rings references randomly, you know, just to keep it entertaining and engaging and casual and, and, and fun like our website is. Like that, you know, we want to match the tone. Right. And that's not what other flash briefing podcasts are, but... You know, we've we've been told how other people consume flash briefings, but how do people know that they don't want to consume different types of content if they've never been given that content in the first place? Right. And I think that's really what we're testing. And I, I think it's still a little early to see that. I think so far our numbers and the fact that we've remained consistently uh, popular and the people are still downloading a lot of episodes. I think that that reflects the idea that however people are consuming us, the majority are okay with what we're doing. And the fact that we're getting, you know, several hundred flash briefing um, sessions per week now, that indicates to us, okay, people are receptive enough to the way we're doing it to where it's, it's not totally bombed. And, uh, you know, the smart speaker audience is relatively small, but growing. So we're going to kind of keep up with that. So I think, you know, if you see something bomb right away, that can either indicate, okay, it's too early to tell if this is a failure or this is a failure, <laughs> right? Like at, at, at best, it might get better. But if you start something out and it's doing all right, then you've got a couple different options. And you can say, let's stay the course, or maybe we can adjust one or two things. The other thing that we're doing is asking for listener feedback and saying at the end of, especially our Sunday episodes, because we just launched Sunday. Now we're Sunday through Friday, um, which is, you know. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Who knows? Next time I talk to you, it can be seven days a week. Right. But we're asking, you ask your audience, like, that's that's the thing. And I know you've said this a zillion times in this podcast, but like that's the only way we're going to know anything about what they actually want. So our metrics of success, and I, I think the way that we strategize is just if it's not a failure, then all right, let's hang on to this and figure out what works and ask people what works and then go from there. Uh, and if it's a total failure, then just scrap it. But I, I'm I'm happy. It was terrifying to do this. To be like, oh, let's do like an eight-minute morning radio show about science and culture on Alexa flash briefing. Like, what does that even mean? It was one, <laughs> that wasn't a sentence a year ago or two, you know? So um, it was terrifying, but but it hasn't been a failure and people are into it. And uh, like, that's, that's a valuable lesson that I'm going to take with me whatever podcast I do ever. It is so easy to do a show that's just a template. 
like, here's our video game review show. Here's our whatever show. And I, I do a video game podcast. So like on the side as a hobby, so right. like there's a fun thing. So like I'm not trashing video game podcasters. <laughs> they're really, you know, they're fun. But yeah, just, just thinking way outside the box and just being like, I'm going to do something totally different and, and just off the wall and deliver it in a way that's different. Like, because that's the thing that people should also be thinking about is, is like, okay, great. I made a podcast. It's on SoundCloud or it's on iTunes or, you know, it's whatever. Like, right. yeah, everybody can do that. But dude, there's smart speakers now. Like, what can those do? What about like cars? What's going I don't even know what's happening in cars. Cars have stuff, right? Like call up Sirius XM and be like, hey, here's my podcast. Can I get on XM radio? Like, I don't know. You know, there's, there's always a different way to get in front of people. And I, I think that, uh, you know, if people are willing to do a little extra work, you might find that there's, there's, there's avenues you haven't really approached yet. That's it. And it's like you said, you, you don't know unless you, I don't know, we've never done it like this. Well, let's only one way to find out and that's to, right. uh, to do it. Well, the, as, as we start to wrap up, I'm dying to know you didn't start with mid roll. Did you finally go back and say, Hey guys, we actually have, you know, five figures now with downloads or are you guys doing it on your own or you're not doing any, I'm assuming you have some sponsors. Otherwise, why would you be doing a daily show? Uh, <laughs> We have sponsors. We were approached by the Westwood One Podcast Network, and now we are with them. So we're being advertised on on the radio stations. You'll hear us there. But then uh, you know, they're able to sell ads on our podcast. We're also able to use their facilities, which is really nice to have nice. access to those, although we have a podcast studio, so that doesn't come in handy too often for us. But uh, that, that's who we're with now. And, and there's so many out there now. I mean, Panoply and the Westwood One Podcast Network... Uh, I've done a, a podcast for a number of years on WGM Plus, which is the WGN Radio Podcast Network, which I mean, has like 20 shows. It's really small. It's just the Chicago radio stations network. But like, look around. There might even be your local radio station could be part of a podcast network or an affiliate of a podcast network. And they might be looking for shows. And, and the nice thing about those networks is a lot of times if you produce your own show and you host it and you've already got a location for it and everything. And all it takes is a couple clicks. Like if you know how to operate WordPress, that's how I sold my, my hobby video game podcast, WGM plus I said, Hey, I've got a fully produced show that I post on my WordPress site every week. Can I start putting in a WGM plus? And they're, they're basically, we're just like, yeah, why not? Like it's high quality enough. I've got a nice mic. I've got decent content. Like what the heck? Like it doesn't hurt them. Yeah. All they get is advertising money and they're getting clicks to their site. So th there are a lot of lot of distribution opportunities out there that that like way beyond what it gets reported on or what people think about. I, I keep reading Pod News newsletters all about like iTunes charts and iTunes charts are game and blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, how many podcast listeners don't even have an an Apple phone, right? right? Like, how many people don't even have an iPhone? They're Android. Like that that's not where it's at. Look at all these other networks, and you never know what what'll happen. That's it. You got LeVar Burton by asking you're, you're just, that's the whole key. That's the bottom line. This whole thing is just, who knows? Let's go ask somebody and see what happens. So awesome. yeah, always asking always just, yeah. Well, you know, you're a pioneer in podcasting. You've been doing this since 2005. So you know what it's like to just stick your neck out and be like, I'm going to do this. Awesome. Well, everybody go visit curiosity.com. What was the, do you remember the last story you, you put up there? Oh gosh. Uh, today we've got a couple, we've got uh, like uh, migraines might be a side effect of a genetic adaptation uh, for us to survive cold weather, right? Okay. Like weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got something like Pablo Escobar's like king of cocaine and some of his history uh, study about how living abroad can help you learn about yourself, study about differences between American and British English. So 
Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of life hacks on there too, like how to be productive and and how to start your day and stuff like that. Well, it sounds like good like I don't know what like party knowledge. Like if somebody walks in and you're like, oh yeah, did you know Pablo Escobar like had 37 pounds of coke in his shoes or whatever, you know, it's, yeah. that kind of stuff. So we get that feedback all the time. No, seriously, like since I started working here, I always have some random knowledge. It's, it's the coolest. It's, it's the cool. I mean, I love, well, I love working here. I'm not just saying that because, you know, in case somebody right. listens, so, whatever, but, <laughs> but no, it's, it's cool. You learn like, it's all kind of random stuff that you don't. Yeah. It always has something to do with life or, you know, the world around you. That's always a good thing to learn about. Well, Cody Goff, thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a really good time. One last point on thinking outside the box here, tweaking things. I was listening to the new media show. This is with Todd Cochran from Blueberry and Rob Greenlee from Vox Nest. And Todd made a great point of going back in the day. Before there was, realize when podcasting started, there was no Twitter. Twitter actually came about when an old podcast directory went, they switched, they pivoted. And there was no iTunes at the very beginning, believe it or not. And there was no Facebook. And you had to promote yourself by going to where your audience is. So if we go back to the David Letterman kind of story where he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that, and he couldn't do that because of Johnny Carson and to the night show restricting him. What if you couldn't use social media to promote your show? Because it's really easy to promote your show from a chair here in your office, in your bedroom, wherever you're doing this from. What if that wasn't an option? What if you took a time machine back to 2004? What would you do? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because maybe we should be doing some of that. We, uh, we, we try to target people who are already listening to podcasters. Maybe we need to go find the, the 70% or 60% or however many people who haven't heard a podcast yet and find them and teach them. So hopefully this episode has got you thinking, maybe you should change things up. If for some reason you're not happy with your show, maybe cause there's only one way to know. Now, if you want to start a podcast, I would love to help you school of podcasting.com slash start and use the coupon code listener. And before we get out the door, if you're going to be at podcast movement, this is in basically a little over a month. I'm being inducted into the podcasters, the Academy of podcasters hall of fame on July 24th. And I would love to see you in the audience that evening. I'm going to be there for podcast movement. And obviously I'll be there for that ceremony. I'll be at the Libsyn booth. That's L I B S Y N.com for most of the conference. I'll be there working and that makes it easy for you. Cause if you want to find me, that's where I'll be. And I really, really look forward to meeting you there. And if you're on the fence about coming to podcast movement, I'm here to tell you it's a good time. It's in Philadelphia. So even if the whole conference was a bust, which it's not, uh, you could go see the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall and a lot of uh, American history there. But I look forward to seeing you at Podcast Movement. And I just wanted to mention that, that uh, if you haven't heard, I'm being inducted. And what's really interesting about that is I'm starting to see the time shiftedness of this because I'm I'm finding people now who are just finding out because they're listening to episodes from two or three weeks ago. So it's interesting 
to kind of watch that time shift in this come into place. But I'll be in Philadelphia. I look forward to meeting you there. And I look forward to meeting you even sooner when you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener and sign up for the School of Podcasting. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, class is dismissed. Next week on the School of Podcasting. Hi, Dave. This is Edward Schmitz. Well, I never thought that I would have a story uh, for the because of my podcasts, but I do have. I started podcasting in March this year, but on May I was invited. Where is Edward going? Subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe.